Hello everyone. Welcome to Eggshells and Elephants. Hello, yes, welcome. Episode three. Who knew? <laughs> it's taken us a while to get here. It has, but we made it. Well, it's lockdown 2.0, isn't it? So we're back. We're back. Yep. How have you been then? What's happened since the last episode? Oh, Jenna, what's happened? I mean, I don't know where to begin, if I'm honest with you. I mean, let's think back to when we last did our podcast. I've actually saved down some quotes. I know we normally end on quotes. Right. Um, but I've got some quotes here that we've sort of said to each other back in the day, which might explain why it's taken us so long to do episode three. <laughs> Just going to remind you of these. See what you think. Go on. This is from you. When you have to sellotape your last tea bag, you know the struggle is real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but at the time, I mean, it was really tough. There was no work. It all dried up. I wasn't working at all. I had no money coming in. I had our dog walker, Carol, who's our neighbour, bringing tea bags round. And I literally sellotaped the last bag because we just had no money. We had absolutely no money coming in. And it was really tough. It was a really tough... Well, I was telling you, wasn't I? I was on the phone to you a lot saying, this is a nightmare. I don't know what to do. Yeah, but the good news is that didn't last long. You're working now, so yeah. it was. It's very. I'm, I feel very fortunate that it was a very brief amount of time that taught me quite a bit. Actually, mm. how to shop wisely. Well, yeah. I mean, you really. <laughs> well, as the quotes go on, you'll see how things changed. Go on. So, meanwhile, you're sellotaping tea bags because you've got no work. Um. One of the reasons I struggled to make time for the podcast is because I found myself in a new team and had nothing but work. I've never been busier. I think I did maybe 10 shoots in six weeks or, you know, something ridiculous. It was that- insane. You were you were flying across to different countries. That's how busy you were. Yes, I did have to go to Germany. So, yeah. So one of my quotes here is, I'm too busy to cry. <laughs> so I think that... <laughs> So uh, you can see now things are perking up for you here. So this is like a few weeks on. Okay. I've got four beers, two packets of chocolate and a bottle of lemonade under my left arm. <laughs> oh, that was when I did a little um, McCall's run, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then in, on a similar vein, I also find myself, uh, you know, consoling myself with comfort food. I don't want to say that I've had a bad day or anything. <laughs> But for tea, I had nine chicken nuggets, a bag of hula hoops and a mini magnum. <laughs> that was a stressful work day. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that kind of sums up where we've been and why you might not have wanted to listen to us. <laughs> so I feel like we need to talk about the biggest elephant in all our rooms at the moment, which is obviously the virus. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I mean, it's an ongoing roller coaster of hell. <laughs> yeah, isn't it really? It really is for everybody. Going into another lockdown and not being able to see friends and family—it's uh, tough. It's really hard. It's weird how you can feel like nostalgic for something that was really awful. Like I've started thinking, like reminiscing about the time when I. It was bad and it was scary and it was new and it was kind of overwhelming. But I, at the time, I really didn't think it was going to last that long. And I'm like, oh, imagine. Remember when I just thought this was going to be like a couple of months? No, I saw something today that was it was a photo of um, Boris. And it was, you know, these memes that are going around going. Yeah. Um, the last time Boris said four weeks, it turned into seven months. So see you in 2021. And yeah. I just thought, oh, God, help us if that happens, you know. But I think there's something about when something is this big and it's affecting everyone, as awful as it is, and obviously I don't wish this on anyone at all and there's, you know, absolutely wish none of it was happening. But there is something about 
something big like this affecting everyone like other problems that you might certainly for me like other problems that you might have in your life or things that you might be thinking oh I wish I could deal with that or I'm not happy about this or whatever like all of that gets overshadowed and it was weirdly liberating at first to be like okay well nothing that's going on in my life right now is my fault like I'm not responsible I'm just like a part of this much bigger thing and we're all in it kind of together um and there was something kind of like okay well I can't think about or deal with any of that now because I'm dealing with this and we were all doing it and I think as that's not sustainable because you do eventually have to get back to the realities of your life and and obviously the realities of some people's lives because of this are now much worse than they ever were before which is just really awful and sad um we're lucky because we're still working um and you know our livelihoods aren't at risk yet no you're right so, it's it's for, you know a lot of people it's the worst ever isn't it for them that thing that like we have to somehow get back to our own individual lives but we're just under this cloud of like oh it's just, you're right it's, though yeah. there's that unity isn't there and i think what um i found quite strange the other day was i saw an instagram uh, photo of um my niece and nephew and my sister in Australia, and yeah. my sister was wearing a mask, and it just made me think, blimey, this is everywhere, and like the completely other side of the planet, and it's it's happening everywhere, and it just made me go, mm. oh, this is so weird, it's so mm. surreal, and I said to my mates the other night on the WhatsApp group, I said, well, you've got to tune in to Morris. You've got to tune in to the news because this is, you know, this is it. We're going to find out whether we're having another lockdown. I said, this is history. And they went, history? Are you joking? I went, no, I'm not. I mean, people have been glued. Not so much yeah. when it pattered out a little bit um, during sort of August and September. But, you know, I think everyone was tuning in for that update because we're all dreading another lockdown aren't we and you know we were there four o'clock five o'clock couple's five six o'clock couple six then kept us waiting yeah and i had a wagamama's to pick up <laughs> oh i love wagamama's <laughs> yeah it was, was your it, fault that i, I was gonna it. say from when i was filming i had maggots <laughs> yeah and i was like oh i'll try it about half past six i'll listen to boris get my waggers get back watch strictly see that was my plan yeah. and then he just kept delaying it no, I put everything right, on hold. I, I said, to, I said, no, I'm not going out. This is, I'm watching it. I'm waiting for it. Mm. But uh, anyway, here we are. We're in another lockdown. Let's reflect on the things we pledged to give up all those months ago and see if we've actually oh, go managed on. to be stick with it. Because I can't remember some of the things that I was giving up. Well, the first one you said was meat uh, free yeah. Mondays. Well, How's that? how did that go? I'll be completely honest. I didn't stick to it completely. It's not a Monday mm. anymore. Um, but there is, okay, pro- I well. would say, at least one day a week where I don't have meat. Me and Tom, we, we're quite good. We've, we've mm. Well, we've all been, you know, I think as a country, everyone's trying to be a little bit healthier and give up um, meat and, and not just for health reasons but environmentally etc and I think everyone's giving it a go and we've stuck to it you know we have we have given it up but not it's not been religious go on you know what you need the new hairy bikers oh, love hairy book. bikers yeah I heard them advertising it on the radio the other day I think it'll be yeah, really I've good yeah I've got the hairy dieters one when they did the diet stage fabulous yeah they're great what was yours um giving up be- not being intimidated by youths at skate parks how's that going i'll be honest <laughs> no. i haven't been back to the skate park so, i mean i have given back. it up but more because i've not been skating i haven't had time um so yeah, yeah. and now the weather's we're, we're in winter there's no light now so i'll pick that yeah. one back up in the spring Blimey, funny last time we did this in um, the heat wave and now it's freezing cold and ice i know <laughs> ice i don't right, think it's ice is it <laughs> um your next one was not being miserable about getting a job yeah i'll start to that you know because i've got jobs because you've got jobs (laughs) no but it's really funny because i finished this job with claudia darling on uh when was it (laughs) thursday last week i said to 
Tom, it's really strange for me because I was on a massive come down afterwards over the weekend because, you know, I had things penciled, but they weren't confirmed. So technically I was unemployed again and I'm just going, keep going through these cycles of like, one minute I've got work and it's been I haven't. And luckily, you know, my pencils became confirmed jobs. But um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not going to be miserable about it. And for any job that I take and any job that I get, I'm just very grateful. Well, I think it's good like to reflect on that because in the moment you really didn't feel like you were going to get work. I my career, if I'm honest and now, with you. Yeah, I know. You were in a really pretty low place and you were really trying hard and like, yeah, I'm not going to be miserable about it. I'm just going to keep cracking on. And it look, worked. you know, it worked. Um, yeah, my next one was watching have more you? films. I have. I'll tell you one thing I did do, which was quite a big deal for me. I went to the cinema on oh. my own for the first time, which... I mean, I know lots of people go to the cinema on their own, but for me, it was kind of this thing in my head. Like, yeah. I built it up to be a thing, like, oh, like it's a, I don't know, like yeah. it represented more than it did. And I was, I sort of put it off. And I, a couple of New Year's, I've thought to myself, like, this year is going to be the year I go to the cinema on my own. Like, I've really built it up as this big thing in my head. Anyway, I decided to go. So I really wanted to watch um, right. Tenet. I keep calling it Tenant, but that's a very different thing. <laughs> Um, so I went and it was, you know, it was great. I didn't care at all. No. Like, it made no difference. The only thing it was bad for was, I mean, no. I don't know if you've seen that film. Right. Very difficult to understand. So I cut down with someone to be like. <laughs> well, at least you had to on? concentrate. Probably <laughs> took your mind off of being sat there on your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really concentrating. Oh. I had no clue. Um, I, when I came out of it, people said, oh, don't tell me. I, don't, I haven't seen it yet. I said, Do you know what? Just picking you. up on you going I... on your own—that's such a good thing that you that you've done that because I feel like people do think that there is that. Oh no, I can't. I mustn't go to the cinema on my own, and it's like, oh no, I can't go and have coffee on my own, or you know, I can't. I can't certainly can't go out and eat lunch on my own somewhere in a restaurant by myself. But you can, and you should, because actually, it's quite nice. It is. Do you know it is? And it, like other things, I think when I went travelling, it really helped I obviously went away on my own and I had a couple of in between I joined tours and groups of people and stuff but in between that I had a few days here and there and I'd take myself out and I was like I'm in Sydney I'm not gonna not go out for dinner so I just you know you just do especially when you're traveling because it's like nobody knows you um not that I know anyone around here really but you know what I mean it feels like different so I got quite used to that stuff but yeah there was just something about the cinema it was like the last thing on the list so yeah I did do that so, yeah, that leads us nicely on to, in this episode, what are you pledging to give Well, up? are you going to laugh if I tell you? <laughs> I hope so. That's the point. Well, it's actually, it's not that funny, to be honest. And I don't know if I'm actually going to be able oh, to commit it's... to this. Because this is quite a tough one, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. Well... Oh, you've gone serious. It... Okay. Not um... really. I just... I. It's very difficult because of work, and I'm going to put that to one side. And if I have to use it for work, then I will. But just for one mm-hmm. month, one thing that I want to do is give up social media. Did you watch that documentary? Terrified on life out of me. I thought, yeah, goodness see, me, I need that, to delete, delete all my cookies. That'll get. <laughs> <laughs> I need to eat all my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> When um, I was watching yeah. that, I've got to say, uh, no, I, and I mean, I'm I in hit... the dressing gown at the moment, but I, I, I felt like I was being watched. Like, I kept moving me, pulling my dressing gown over my chest, thinking that someone was watching. <laughs> like, that's how it made me feel, honestly. It really scared me a little bit. That's not why I'm giving it up, but it's sort of, it has got, a, you know, there is a an element of that. Yeah. I think it's important to kind of remind ourselves of, like, life without it and to not... It is addictive and it is... It, you know, I find when I'm kind of on a down day or I'm not kind of I'm not very motivated, I'm not getting on doing the things I want to do. And I'm just sat there all lethargic and I just find myself scrolling on this stuff and it just makes me feel worse. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It's just and you just can't help it. It's just such habit and such like, especially because I'm obviously we've yeah. talked about the fact that I live on my own. So but there is a part of me that loves it. Yeah. So I feel connected to a lot of people helps with that. And oh god, yeah! I mean, really it's fantastic. It, just but... not all the time. What are you giving up? Um, I'm giving up 
repeatedly listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. Oh, it is good though. Well, yeah, I just can't stop listening to it, so I must give it up. <laughs> However, um, I have got a theory about it. So I've I've learned some of the words. I don't know how well you know Hamilton, but obviously, if anyone who's not familiar with it, it's a musical, but it's got like a kind of hip hop um, yeah. kind of background, I suppose. And there's a lot of words and it's very quick. And, um, you know, when like if you struggle with anxiety, two of the things that you're kind of told about to, to help with that problem is controlling your breath and breathing exercises right. and being more mindful. Now, I've got an argument about this. So, Hamilton, there are so many words, there's no time to breathe. That will get your breath down because there's no opportunity to breathe. Secondly, being more mindful. If you are, like, all those words to learn, you can't think about anything else when you're doing it. Aren't you going to ask me to prove it? Come on. Shall I? (laughs) The other thing about it is it's really satisfying when you can do it. Go on. You like feel mega proud of yourself, Proof. and then you can't stop, which is my problem. <clears throat> right here we go. So 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 this is what it feels like to match with someone on your level. What the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom of seeing the light. It's Ben Franklin with a key and a kite. You see it, right? The conversation lasts two minutes, maybe three minutes. Everything he said in total agreement. It's a dream, and it's a bit of a dance, a bit of a posture. It's a bit of a stance. He's a bit of a flirt, but I'm gonna give him a chance. I asked him about his family. Did you see his answer? His hands started fidgeting. He looked scared. <gasps> oh my god! Yes, I love that. <laughs> So imp- oh, Callie's impressed. She's turned her head. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, moving into then our little serious section, the whole point of this. Uh, we didn't reveal early doors what this podcast was going to be about because we thought it might put you off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's not the cheeriest of topics, is it? it or, you know, the easiest to talk no. about. But in the spirit of the whole point of this podcast, we are tackling the topics that are perhaps not the easiest. Um, and it, it potentially is relevant at the moment. We really hope not for any of you. But um, anyway, we are going to talk about grief. We are. I'm going to start with a couple of quotes about grief just to kind of ease us okay. in. I thought were nice that I found online. Um, grief is the price we pay for love. Oh, it is. Mm. Oh. Cheerful, wasn't it? Um, see, <laughs> it's important. It might not be cheerful, but it's important. Um, C.S. Lewis said, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. Yeah, very true. Very different angle of looking at it, but very true. Um, and then I just thought this was quite nice, uh, reassuring. Uh, death ends a life, not a relationship. Yeah. Agreed. Obviously, those um, interpretations of grief are kind of all around the very traditional, most common interpretation of grief, which is obviously the death of a loved yeah. one. Uh, that grief can sort of come in all different forms, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about the loss of life to feel. No, grief. it doesn't. For you, obviously, I want to talk to you because for those that don't know, you lost both your parents quite a young age. Yes. So, Do you know, this is the one podcast that I've been not worried about doing. It's just, I don't know, there's an expectation for me for this, I feel. Because I, I mean, I imagine everyone listening has been through, the, been through their own grief to a degree for whatever reason. And I just have, I, I kept telling myself that, no, this is going to be fine because actually grief is very independent and, you know, everyone experiences it, their own unique grief and it's their own experience and nobody else's. So actually, for me, talking about this subject, this elephant, um, will be based on my own experience and yeah I lost you know I lost my dad when I was 10 um over sort of quite a long drawn out process and my mum when I was 22 so eight years ago uh, nine years ago um and very suddenly so I feel very experienced in this elephant yes 
And that's awful. I mean, we, I think one, I'd like to think that one of the reasons we became friends so quickly was because you shared that information with me. I think it had been about a year that you'd lost your mum when we met. And you shared that with me. And it, it can be uncomfortable and it's difficult to know what to say. But I think avoiding it makes it, you know, it can make it worse. And I'd like to think... Well, that... you ask questions and people don't yeah. or people tend not to because they don't know what to say and they don't know how to react and they don't want to say anything that's going to offend or upset or hurt, um, which I understand completely. Uh, but if someone's... Yeah you know comes out right and says matter of factly which I've began to do more so than I probably should <laughs> you know I'll come out with oh you know my mum's dead my dad's dead and everything else and people are sort of just absolutely horrified um when I say it so matter of factly but you I've I remember uh, very vividly um telling you and going into quite a bit of detail actually and then of course over our friendship and over the years you've you probably know more about it than lots of other people do actually and what I what I went through I remember saying like do you want to talk about it I think that's the first thing that you can say do you want to talk about it or do you not want to talk about it like and then it's just inviting someone to share if they want to and yeah or not or like should we talk about other stuff today or do you want to talk about it like a lot of the time, people say, oh, do you want to talk about it? And the, rea- the reaction usually is, oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. But for me, it was very mm. different. And, you know, like, a, and I'll, ke- I'll say this throughout. Um, this is me and my experience of it and not necessarily everyone else's. And I know with my brother, you know, because I didn't just lose my mum and dad. You know, my brother lost his mum and dad and my sister lost her mum and dad and, mm. You know, my aunt lost her sister and my nan lost her daughter. And, you know, we were, all, we were all in the same boat. And we all dealt with it differently, I would say. Um, but I always wanted to talk about it. And mm. I think that that's just so important. You know, if you don't want to, then that's also fine. But if you do, and that's your coping mechanism to talk about it, then you should. And it helps, I think. I think um, the way that grief feels, it is different to everyone, but it also has, it's, it's different to all other emotions, the way it can hit you. And it's, it can be very overwhelming without any warning. Like it will just suddenly be there and you can't control it. It's like involuntary. Mm. Like you could just be making a tea in the kitchen in the office at work and something will come into your mind and next thing you know you've got to run to the loo oh god yeah i mean it happens on so many occasions you know and it's still nine years later you know and it still does and i'll have a you know perhaps it's not when i'm at work or you know walking down an aisle in tesco's buying some food but i remember one time in particular i remember it so clearly i was i was in a supermarket and it was christmas and the Christmas music songs were playing. And I just absolutely broke down in the middle of a shopping aisle. And I just couldn't control myself. And I had to just leave the basket, which I felt terrible about, and walk out and get in my car and go home because it was just traumatic. And it yeah. does. It's, it hits you. And sometimes I'll have a bad dream and it will wake me up. And, you know, I'm so lucky I've got Tom here and he's very, uh, very good with me and his behavior towards me when I'm feeling like that and when it hits you um but it does it it can it comes in waves as they say yeah and it's I mean one thing I was I met with a friend earlier today and we spoke briefly about it because I mentioned we were going to talk about it tonight and one of the things she said is from speaking to others as well and her own experiences the thing about it is when it's when it first happens, there's a lot of talk around it. There's a lot of attention on it. There's a lot of support for you. There's a lot. It's all there at the forefront of everything. And everybody knows and everybody, you know, they might tiptoe around you or they might mention it or they might, you know, the closer ones to you will be there talking about it. It's like filling your life. And then as the years go on, you know, people that aren't so close to you will sort of forget. They won't remember to ask. 
and you like you must have felt this expectation to just like once you I know in the beginning because I remember you telling me like you go through the phases of like barely being able to function wondering how you're ever going to face that new future that now lies ahead and then you get to a point where you you feel like you can just about day at a time and then life goes on again and then you know and the, the time just passes and I know they talk about this I really like that analogy they use about the um that circle of grief have you seen them do that diagram and then they say it never goes away but you just build bigger around yeah. it and you learn with it and I think that's so true and but it's difficult because it doesn't ever end really those feelings you might learn how to cope with them better but they'll still always be there some way or another you're right it, it... people forget that they sort of think oh they're grieving give them six months then they'll be all right but it doesn't really ever go away it never does, it? does. and i think um you're right and we didn't have you know that you've you said about the circle of grief we had something similar which well we still have you know and it's we call it the three musketeers and it's me my aunt jill and my nan and we are our own grief club you know we talk about it and we talk about my mum and we talk about frank my dad and and my granddad not just you know friends as well that have that have died and and that helps us you know we're we're our own mm. circle we're our own club and we talk about the bad stuff we talk about the good stuff we talk about you know how we feel and it's good to be in that little group because you're right people do even you know some nearest and dearest people will just sometimes forget and they don't mean to but it's mm. not at the forefront of their minds so you know yeah it, and that's the way it is and I think I accepted that and you know it used to it, one thing that used to get me was when I'd see people moaning about their parents or you know, because I just thought, damn you, I've not got mine and I'd love to be able to at least win. You know, my mum pissed me off numerous of times and, you know, I used to be really embarrassed by her sometimes in the in the supermarkets. You know, she'd sort of go, oh, how much is this? I'm not paying that. And little things like that would really embarrass me. Oh, I can't imagine <laughs> being like that. Oh, I wonder where you're going from. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, God, but I love all that. I, I miss that, you know. Um, I was going to say that though because you are really good as well in that way like you're really pragmatic because I remember in the early days like you do naturally you can't sort of filter yourself all the time around that topic and I remember really putting my foot in it with you and really regretting it and thinking oh my god I'm such an idiot if like I'd come into work and be like I cannot cope with my mother ringing me again (laughs) sorry mum love you um but I would have a bit of a whinge, as you do. And then I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said those things. Like, I felt awful about it. And you'd, you've always been really good and been like, do you know what? Like, is... That's life. Like, of course you're going to whinge about your mother. Like, don't worry no. about it. And, and I guess because I do then remember and, I, you know, I make up for it in other ways. I hope. Oh, yeah, but I mean, I don't, um, you know, and, I, and I've got to that point now where it doesn't, it doesn't really affect me like it did. I'm... A little bit further along now where I can be like oh you know that's in fact you know my best friend Keely spends an awful lot of time with her mum and her mum was similar to my mum and Keely's similar to me and I see a lot of similarities um but I love it now when they're together and I love seeing them together and I just think well good for you because you just don't know how long you've got and you know it's a lovely mm. seeing that and reminding myself that that's what I had even though I now I haven't got that, do you know? I love hearing you talk about your mum. Well, I just do, don't I, just... I? And I think, you know, everyone that knows me, not in fact, a lot of people, uh, you know what it's like in the industry, you meet new people every day in your job and, you know, you're meeting sure. new crews and you're, you're in new teams every week uh, and no one ever knows really about what's happened and, you know, what I've been mm. through. Um, unless they ask and if they ask or if they find out I'll tell them and they're horrified Mm. it is shocking I mean you just amaze me I don't know how you 
cope with it all so well. I know it hasn't always been easy, but you just have such a brilliant outlook. You really could have, you were such, it was such a young age to lose your mum and you'd already lost your dad. And I don't know, you, you could have gone one way or the other. And I just think. Well, orphaned, orphaned well, not... at 22. It's no age, is it really? <laughs> it's no age, no. But you've just. It's support, it's support yeah. and it's resilience and it's getting up every day thinking, well, I've got another day. And I know I'm only 31 and I shouldn't really think like that. But I do because you just don't know when it's... And I don't want to get into, you know, when your time's up because that's not what the grief's about. But you don't know and you've just got to make the most of it. And I've seen it, being, life being snatched very quickly at young ages. You know, my dad was 48, my mum was 56. You know, so, Christ, I hope I've not got their genes. No, but, I mean... You are amazing, really, because you, there's coping and there's cracking on with life and, you know, you've met Tom and there's having a job and there's getting on. But you, you, don't, you don't just cope and get on with life. Like, you are a joy. Oh. Like, I don't so know. You, you've just got this positive energy. Like, you, the re, like, one of the things you're saying is people would never know. They would never know because... Like, you wouldn't look at you and be like, oh, he's had a Well, I just, I, you know, you read all these things about other people that have experienced these things. And, you know, everyone, unfortunately, if it plays out how life should play out, if, if we're looking at it like that, then, you know, you, you will lose your parents. I, you know, I just, I get on with life because I have to, because I'm here and I'm alive and I'm breathing. Big breath. <sighs> I'm not going to cry. I just... I'd love to have just met your mum and I just can't bear the fact that she doesn't, she can't be here to see you and how no. brilliant you are and how well you're doing. Just she was very much breaks like, my heart a little well, bit. people have said that she's very much like me, but also my brother. Well, it's a bit of everyone in her, really. Like, she's, she's yeah. rubbed off on us. So of course she has, yeah. I think also, you know, we've been talking about, you know, any illness and a sudden death for my parents, but you know, there's other grief as well, isn't there? Like my friend Tom lost his brother um, to suicide, my best friend Tom, and his grief. I see similarities in it and, you know, I feel for him and it's horrific what he's going through. And he is going down my approach, which is to talk about it and to sort of, you know, is involved within a charity to help and, He's quite proactive and he's acknowledging his grief. And it's mm. it's hard. Suicide is awful. I just, yeah. I mean, well, we worked with that Chris, yeah. lovely guy, didn't we? Well, I mean, I only worked with him, well, just on that job with you. It was like yeah. two months or something. But even then, like, I remember you ringing me up and saying, you need to know what's happened to Chris. And I was like, what? what's happened? Like, he was the nicest, loveliest. He was good at his job like you'd never I yeah. know it's cliche and you never know but you really would and I, even I went through stages of like it was there I something know. I could have done how were we when we worked on that job like it's just horrific like the things that go through your mind and I barely knew him like I only was working with him for a couple of months so the thought of doing that with someone in your family or someone you're close to, I mean, oh God, I just, it just and it's, doesn't bear. I think, you know, it's, think and it's different. It's different to, again, you know, everyone's grief is different and it's different to my grief. Like, you know, him losing his brother in the way that he did is just so horrific that. You feel very responsible, don't you, in that situation? There's a lot of yeah guilt and blaming yourself and, oh. I yeah, I just want to scoop anyone up that's in that situation no, and just say and this is not your fault. You know, you just you've just got to get through it, and whatever means, however you want to do it, to get through. But grief isn't always um, associated with death uh, of a loved one. So yeah, so there's we should probably touch on that, like different types of grief. Um, some people have said to me they're feeling, you know, feelings of grief in a sense for, you know, normal life at the moment. That we're all kind of grieving live music and theatre and parties with our friends. And, you know, there's that counts. Like it's a kind of a loss of something that's 
you know, it's difficult to kind of accept that kind of change and oh, things gosh, you're now not 100%. allowed to be doing. Honestly, it is, you know, the the one, yeah. the, the thing that sort of, when something's taken from you, you want it mo- the most, do you know? Oh, well, I'm just thinking now. What, what are you grieving, grieving the most? most? Uh, <laughs> I am really grieving live music. I'm yeah. grieving the choir, obviously. And just being able to stand side by side and sing with people. I'm grieving a little bit being in the office with everyone. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I said that today to my colleague. I voice noted her. It went on for two and a half minutes. And I messaged her straight after and said, I'm so sorry. That's a really boring voice note. But I really miss being in the office because at times like this, we'd be able to just get off the phone and have a chinwag about who we've just spoken to. And we can't. So you've now got a two-minute voice note. I I do that at lunch because I miss it at lunchtime. I come into the kitchen. Uh, normally, I'd lunch with someone at work, or we'd like grab our food and sit somewhere together and have a bit of a gossip while we eat it or whatever. And I'm yeah, I'm missing that. And Thursday drinks, of course, in the office, oh. missing those. The old drink trolley gets wheeled round. I mean, I think there's life, the other it? grief as well of like it's the kids situation as well. Like you know, we're two men in a relationship and you know we love the idea of potentially having children but it's quite difficult mm. when you're two men it's not as easy as it's made out to be well but do you see what I'm saying like that's the sort of a grief when you look at it because you know what if what if we don't because we can't or for whatever other reason like you know, we hope that we do, but you know, yeah. we're thirty. We, you know, thirty plus. Yeah, and it's complicated for you because you'd have to decide. You'd have to make some big decisions about. Yeah, how we'd both and why fight and... over whose sperm we want because. Well, I wasn't <laughs> going to say the word, but yes. <laughs> Eggshells and elephants. There's no tippy toeing around on this podcast. <laughs> no tippy toeing. I love it. Um, no, and you're right because of yeah. Uh, as you know I feel similar for myself as well because there's definitely a sense of grief for me and the things I don't have in my life at the moment and I mean in the spirit of the podcast I think it's fine for me to share my elephant yeah quite often in the room somewhere I don't want it to kind of come across as me sort of harping on (laughs) about myself but you know that is the point I suppose go on well, the first thing I'd like to give a voice to, if we're going to talk about grief, which doesn't often get spoken about, it is more and more, and I think it's really important that it it is, but that's, um, you know, baby loss or mm. miscarriages or failed fertility treatments, you know, all of that stuff around babies and fertility, yeah. that is really deep, difficult grief for people um, to face, women and men, Um unimaginable yeah and there's not a lot there is a lot of support out there but I just don't think it's commonly discussed for people to kind of be so open about how they feel in those situations so I think it's important that we acknowledge that as a you know a very difficult type of grief that a lot of people a lot more people face than we realize something like I should look up the stats but I think it's something like one in every four pregnancies Mm. ends in miscarriage and lots of people I know, you know, have experienced miscarriages before they had their mm. children or in between children or, and it's hard for them, you know, I, I haven't, fortunately, um, but I know how difficult that is and that, and yeah, so I think it's important that we, we talk about that. I don't have well, no, but to I think offer. It, you know, as a, as a if, you know, if we put in rules on grief, which we shouldn't, but let's just say there is one, the rule is that you know, if you've lost something or someone that's important to you, then you have the right to grieve. And I think, you yeah. know, that's important. The, the The one thing that we all do um, is feel sad and miss what we've lost. And I think sort of moving on from that and sort of to bring my own experience to it, I definitely feel a sense of grief around the fact that I'm not currently, you know, facing the future I thought I was going to have and I'm not in uh, 
relationship. I've not started a family. You know, all those things we discussed <laughs> on the old loneliness podcast. Not going to harp on about it again. Um, but there is a sense of grief around it. that. And it's... Yes, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, there's... You know, it's difficult when lots of people around you are doing all those things and you're not. And I definitely feel a sense of grief for for that and it and I think that the reason I feel like it is grief is because it hits me in that same way like I it's I feel the grief for myself simultaneously as I feel joy for my friends as they announce their news or whatever and those two things can I've learned now that they definitely can coexist together and just because I feel sad for myself doesn't mean I don't feel happy for them but the fact that it is like that is really hard because you don't want to of course you don't want to let on how you're feeling in those moments you just want to be a good friend and share in their joy um but it kind of has a flip side to it and and then and it is it can only be described as grief it kind of hits you involuntarily and it's it just i can't control it, it just hits yeah. me and I, I just feel this grief for you know for what for what they're not doing yeah. for what i'm not doing and i know that i might still it's not like i've sort of given up completely st- in that moment it feels you know like grief because i don't no, know that no. i will and that maybe i won't and very interesting very myself. um well that particularly is i think it's quite complicated and and i kind of wanted to bring it up in this podcast because the the feelings i have around it are quite complicated they're quite nuanced and niche um to the situation you know you feel very guilty you definitely feel like you're not allowed mm. to feel grief for that particularly when you also know a lot of people that are going through genuine infertility problems. Um, and you know that, you know, there's no way that you can come out and say, oh, it's, a, it's as bad as that because no. it's not as finite as that. But it's still a, a similar feeling of, um, you know, yeah. you really want something for yourself and it's not happening. And that's the same for whatever reason that it's not happening, whether yeah. it's medical or circumstantial or whatever. So... But it, you know, you can't have it without feeling really guilty about it. You feel like it's a, you're not allowed to have it because it's not actually no. anything. You haven't actually lost anything. Um, a lot of people say things like, oh, well, if you really wanted children, you could have them. But, I mean, that completely rules out the fact that, A, it costs a ton of money to do that. B, do you want to bring up a child on your own? Like, that's the circumstances around the no. way I would like to have a family are not that. And that kind of discounts, like, as if the reasons around it don't matter. Um, so it's quite complicated. And and I've been slightly driving myself mad because I've been feeling all these things, feeling like I shouldn't, feeling like a really awful, selfish person for turning things around and making them about me and um, not really having any outlet for it because you don't want to ruin your friend's moments. You don't want to twist anything that they're talking about to be about you and... And I've, I do find it really hard. And I've, I've had a couple of friends I've opened up to who have been brilliant. And one in particular can really relate to the way I've been feeling. She felt similar when she was my age. She's a bit older than me. And she was great. And she said, yeah. you know, this is all very normal. And you should be allowed to speak about it. And she let me, like, open up to her. So, And then I found um, a couple of articles online, which, to be Perfectly honest, yeah. I sobbed with relief when I read them. What's great about this is, and this what we're doing here is talking about things that aren't talk, that don't get talked about. Um, and well, I felt like I really felt like I'd finally had a diagnosis after spending so long of not knowing what was wrong with me. I was like, this, this is it, this is me. I am this. I was, it was just amazing. It's difficult to share. Um, but I do think it's important because for me looking at other people and what they had to say about it, I've realised how little there is out there. And I just thought, well, if if me talking about it now helps one other person that might listen and be like, yes, I feel those things too. It might make them feel a bit better about not being... Yeah. I, I literally felt like a bright green alien. You're not alone. Like You're definitely not alone. There was just nothing around me. I was going to actually read a few paragraphs from some of these articles just to kind of give it a bit of context and because it's uh, much better written than I could do myself. It starts with one-fifth of British women will not have children. By wow, early that's 40s. quite a lot. Yeah, one-fifth. That is a lot, isn't it? And obviously it's a changing trend, the way that society's changed and women feel a bit more empowered to 
you know, I don't know, make choices now or have careers now or, um, you know, whatever's the reasons. Um, but yeah, one fifth. So there's a lot of women out there, which is why I think it's important to start having these conversations. Um, but Emily Maddock wrote an article called The Silent Anguish of Social Infertility. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just pick this bit out. Um, she writes, having spoken to many friends and colleagues in their late 30s, early 40s, all single and childless, not by choice, there seems to be a collective grief we silently shoulder. These feelings are particularly difficult to articulate, occurring as they so often do in a muddled response to friends and loved ones' mm. own reproductive circumstances. So we remain silent, rictus grins plastered on our faces, terrified of appearing self-pitying, selfish, jealous, insensitive, or the worst, bitter. But the despair, helplessness, panic and fear fueled by biology and potent hormones is real. And if left, left unattended, mm. it can consume you. And then she talks about, um, she says, as my friend, as my friend Rachel, 44, says, I've sat for years with friends who have struggled with fertility, with failed IVF, with their fears of never becoming parents and seen how much support and sympathy they receive. And yet here I am facing a future without children, the very future they dreaded and eventually avoided. But no one asked me how that feels. Instead, most people say, well, if you want a child, just go and have yeah, one, which is true. so shockingly simplistic. The other thing that's annoying is people always ask. That's one thing. And that this isn't true just for this situation. It's true for anything. Yeah. Like the social expectations. If I meet people out and about, if I get chatting to someone in a pub or whatever, and they'll say, oh, you know, you work, you live, do, 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 married, no. Oh, kids, no. Oh, didn't want kids then. And I now when people ask yeah. me, have you got any kids? I always say, no, I'm not that lucky. I think that kind of summarises everything they need to know. It's like, obviously, I feel yeah, like yeah, I would yeah. like to, but That's no, I haven't. Good. I've not been lucky enough to have them yet. Well, I'm no, glad you brought that up him. as part of the grief because it's, you know, you're right. And it is, you know, there is a loss there. You know, no one's died, but, you know, you haven't got something that you want and, you know, may not have. And to be honest, even if I do, and even if I genuinely believe I will have all those things, which I hope for myself that I do, but you don't know. Um, no. But exactly. even so, that doesn't help how I feel now. Like that help when yeah. I'm at dinner and everybody's talking about their husbands and their kids and everything else thinking in five no, years that might doesn't. be me doesn't really help in that moment <laughs> I was like keep it real exactly <laughs> to know the other thing keep that it real people often say yeah. when things go wrong or um shit it's the fan nobody's died and in my head I think well they have actually and sometimes I say it as well. I'm so <laughs> oh god, obtuse. yeah. And I'm I'm like, well, they have actually. So, <laughs> like, just for you know, things that, like I say, things that go wrong or something's happened or something hasn't happened, and they're like, oh well, you know, no one's died, and I'm like, well, they have. I think once you've experienced grief, um, it makes you sort of realise really. And particularly, you know, when you've lost somebody close, that you can either sit there and be miserable and it not achieve anything, or you can go, all right, well, you know, I'm here, I'm alive, and, you know, I've hopefully got many years left. So, you know, it, I live nicely, I buy nice things, I spend all of my money, I don't. You know, I should, probably should put away for a rainy day, but I don't because I've seen firsthand how life can be snatched instantly. You know, mm. at young ages, my dad was 48, my mum was 56. And that's why I have this reasoning of, well, you know, let's just do it now. Let's go on the nice holidays. Let's do this to the house. Let's buy this. Let's spend that because... You it doesn't work know. so well when you're unemployed for eight months. Not when it? you're unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only teasing. It's absolutely true. And we are similar. You know, we often say everything we've been through with Sky. you know, she's really taught us a lot about life and perspective and how to, you know, be in the moment and to see the joy in, in the small things and to just really... Perspective, I like that. Yeah. I think that's the thing... You know, if we're going to end on a 
more joyful note than grief <laughs> and people dying. I think that's the thing about grief is um, it kind of teaches you how to live in a way. Um, Ooh, how I to... like that. Yeah. I like that. Play a jingle. Let's go to our go quotes on. of the week. Go on, I don't week. have one, so you go. Now, you may or may not be surprised to know that sometimes oh, yeah, I do frequent a dating app here and there. I mean, you've got to. It's horrible. I hate it. I, the stories, I could do another half an hour just on that, but I'm not going to. But some of them, I'm on a few different apps. You're on every because, you know, single app you can think of. That's what of, you're supposed to so do, isn't it? <laughs> Shut your face. Um, oh, I love this. I love a date. Uh, so here we go. Go on. Jenna, you look gorgeous. Thanks a lot. Uh, I bet you look incredible Ditch. in a fur. Let me just break this down, right? First of all, this came through, I've saved this down from receiving it back in the summer. It was hot weather out there. So why he's talking about a fur coat, I do not know. What I want to understand about this, I, I mean, I guess if we're going to be real, what he's alluding yeah. to is a situation where dirty, someone would might wear a fur coat boy. and nothing else, right? Is that what he's getting at? Like, what does that mean? I bet you look incredible in a fur. Like, oh, I know what you need. A dead animal draped all over you. Uh, oh, don't. <laughs> Why would you say Dead that? animal draped over you. Blimey, I not for the beacons this podcast. In... I, I read that and I was thinking, <laughs> it's 32 degrees out there. Oh, God, I, I hope mean, you what deleted is him. About? What does that mean? What a thing to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, Stop. I just delete all these. I get <laughs> But that's what I love. I love this part of, like, being single. It's the it's the apps and it's the dates and it's the stories you get from them. They're just classic. Very good. I love those. Thank you, if you got this far, for listening to us yet again. Hopefully. Um you know, people take from it what they will and, um, yeah, perhaps it helps, perhaps it doesn't, you know. All right, on that note, play a jingle. <laughs>